0: If you haven't figured it out already, today's going to be a little bit different, um, but I'm really, really excited, and I know that um, that all four of us that went to Ecuador are very, very excited to spend some time sharing with you today some of the things that we've seen and some of the things that we've learned. Um, just to kind of start out before we before we kind of show you this slideshow, and then we'll spend some time sharing, and then hopefully if we've got time, we're going to field some questions, actually, which should be interesting and fun. Um, Sometimes it is practical things that end up having spiritual implications. Where the idea for this trip started actually was probably about close to two years ago now, and and it was it was due to a change actually in tax law. We the uh, the 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 four Cs as we call them the 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 institution of the Canadian government that works with. Um, like working with nonprofits was, was redoing some of their, their tax laws about money that gets sent to mission works and to foreign works and just needing to have more oversight over some of those things. And we were having conversations about that, and as we were having conversations about that on a practical level, I realized something on a spiritual level, and it was this, that we as a church are good at supporting mission work, in a sense. We have works that that we support. We have people that we love, that we know from this church, that either have grown up in this church or are attached to this church, people that we love dearly, that, that we have partnered with in Ecuador, in China, in Zambia. We have places all over the world that we partner with. But on the one sense, we're really good at that. On the other sense... We don't know what they're doing. And it's not a sense, we didn't, this didn't come about as an idea of like policing, but this came about more as, is that our relationship with them was very much, we will support you, you do your thing, and when you come back, bring a PowerPoint with you. And we said, wow, we could do more. I think we could do more. And so we had some very adventurous people, um, including my daughter, And Alan, one of the uh, elders at our church, and Catherine, who just said, yes, I will do this thing. I have only been here about a year, but absolutely, let's do this. And and they joined us uh, to go and see, to go and learn, to go and explore and really see, what is God doing in Ecuador? Let's go see it for ourselves. And let's be able to report back so that we can be more participatory in the mission of God there and really see what God is up to. And uh, I'll tell you what, the experience was fantastic. And so we're going to show you some, some slides and, and let you see what's going on, but then we're going to chat with you a little bit about what we saw, what we heard, and what it did to us as we spent some time partnering with God out on the mission field this past couple of weeks. Well, like we said, technology never tells as good of a story as we do, so I'm going to invite us all up to do so right now, actually. Um, and, uh, the question that I've asked, so come on up, the question that I've asked everybody is, is, uh, is, uh, I don't, there's solidarity in us all standing together rather than, you know, you being up here by yourself, especially if you're nervous about speaking in front of people. So, um, I'm going to hand things over to Alan first, but the, the question that we kind of put to everybody that was on the team was to say, okay, what did you enjoy the most what challenged you the most, and how do you feel that your faith has grown by the time that you've spent out there? So I'm going to turn things over to them and let them answer those questions. All right. No. Do you want us to stay up here with you? No.
1: No? Okay. no. I will say I've spent enough time with you, but... <laughs> No, um, things that challenged, or things I enjoyed the most. I would say for me, it was the Sunday morning service. Um, I'm coming more and more to the realization that it doesn't matter whether you're Canadian or Ecuadorian, whether you speak Spanish or you speak English. Uh, when you're in a group like that there is a connection spirit recognizes spirit and you can feel the spirit move you can feel the connection and you know you're all family and it's just incredible you know you can you know, you can pick out some words that you know some you sort of yeah, connect to and you know what's going on and you feel it I I got to the point where I don't think it, it, this has changed my my viewpoint of what mission is a lot of times we you know we think you're gonna you're gonna go on a mission trip so you're gonna go and do a program you're going to know we're going to bring Jesus to this people and do it our way in that respect this was not a what we term as a mission trip we went and we helped them bring Jesus to their people their way it was their programs It was their ideas. And we just were there to help and support and show family solidarity with them, which is really incredible when you think of it. It's changed me in that way. It was difficult seeing um, when I talked, you saw the slide of. the family in there's a family of five father, four children living in a house loosely termed house of about 300 square feet pallet floors no bathroom they've been living there for years and you go from that just a little ways away into the, into the town, and you've got the gold-plated cathedrals and everything else. It's just incredible. So that was difficult to see. On a lighter note of difficulties, <laughs> um, if you look at this face, you know, do I look honest to you? Really? I found that I have a 75% chance in airports of being being pulled aside for random screening. (laughs) Um, On this trip, I have been pulled aside and asked questions. I've been pulled aside and just patted down. I've been wanded until the batteries wore out in their wands. (laughs) I've been drug swabbed done the tests and stuff. And even for the first time, I've been taken to the special room (laughs) and made it back out. (laughs) But uh, this has been an incredible trip. I'd encourage any of you to go on a trip like this. Um, It's not scary in that you're presenting stuff. Sometimes I wish that i had had the gift of interpretation or tongues because I didn't understand Spanish. It would have been nice, but it was incredible. And thank you for your support and prayers through it.
2: For me, it is scary speaking in front of people. <laughs> That's what I was saying. okay, down there, I I enjoyed meeting the people. Um, they were very friendly, very hospitable. They don't have much down there, but they're very very joyful, and that we really saw that in the church service, where they're just loud and exuberant, and they're also very caring. Uh, on Monday, I wasn't feeling well, and there were you know people they just met me, and they were very concerned for me. You know, they didn't really know me. And even the next day on Tuesday, when I was feeling better, the ladies were still, you know, how are you doing? And they they said, you're not allowed to work in the sun. It's like, okay. <laughs> and for me, the, the language barrier was also difficult. I don't know Spanish, but a few of them do know English. A similar, couple of them quite well. And so I wasn't completely lost. I, so I did have good conversations with those people. And a lot of them told me I need to come back and visit again and bring Matthew next time. Um, there was this one lady that, that goes to the one church, Pueblo, Pueblo Especial, named Carmen. Um, she's a single mother, and she didn't speak English. She is in the English classes. But for some reason, she was drawn to me, and but she was kind of shy. And I, I'm hoping that I can learn some Spanish. And if she learns more English, then to go back and actually be able to get to know her. Um, Saturday, you saw the picture of pre-run of Travis and I and a young guy, a 14-year-old named Seth, ran in a 10K race. And Seth was, he does uh, triathlons. He was like, he left us way behind. And, but it was v- my first time running in the Southern Hemisphere, and we finished that in one hour and four minutes. And it was very difficult because the altitude is about 2,500 meters, which is 8,200 feet it was felt like running uphill even when you're on the level. Um, the highlight was getting chocolate from the source. We got to go to this chocolate store owned by friends of Travis and Alicia. and it just, chocolate was fantastic, and everybody was sitting there just like gorging themselves on chocolate. And on the way back to Guayaquil, we got to stop and take pictures That one didn't make it up there for some reason of the, the cacao pods growing on the trees. So that was that was a neat experience. Um, this trip has made me grateful for what I have here in Canada. We take so much for granted here. God has taught me that I need to focus more on relationships. I can get so focused on myself easily, and in the end, people are more important than stuff. That is all I've got. Thanks,
3: Um So. I guess my highs of the trip was definitely meeting people and getting to know them. And up on the screen, you will see me, Sierra, and my new friend Emily, who is 14 years old. And she does not speak Spanish much, but um, I was able to teach her a little bit. And what? She doesn't speak English much, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. And so we were having Chinese food that is Ecuadorian. <laughs> and this is right after a giggle party, which you can kind of see. And my dad named this, this picture, Giggles Are Universal. Um, and then I also, um, this is me painting um, at the retreat center, and that was lots of fun. And um, I really enjoyed working with people and getting to know more people. And um, yeah, it was um, it was definitely a life-changing experience and made me very grateful for everything that I have here, because I met people um, when we were serving out soup and stuff and um, who really didn't have that much, and they were very grateful for the bowl of soup and tea. That we gave them, and um, so it was definitely a very life-changing experience. And thank you for your support.
0: So I, just the things that I enjoyed the most. Um, mm-hmm. In in some ways, even though I didn't know the culture of Ecuador, I did know some of it. Um, I lived for a summer in the Dominican Republic when I was in university, and there are a lot of similarities between that culture and the culture in Ecuador. And so in some ways that was kind of a, a homecoming. And so I was, I was the designated Spanish speaker of the group, which was good, um, that we had, that we had that going on. And it saved our bacon a couple of times, um, and bought us bacon a couple of times, which was good too. Um, although bacon there is different, but it's still life changing wherever you go. That's what we learned. Um, but I, I, if I'm thinking about the things that I really, really enjoyed, I enjoyed watching these different churches. We interacted with three different churches that um, that Travis and Alicia have partnered with. And they, they, are, they are doing a house church out of their house. But what they're doing is they're encouraging and working with and being a resource for the indigenous leadership at three different churches. One in Turi that you saw, which is just a very, very small group, just a couple of families that are reaching out to the kids and families in the areas around them and working out of um, Working out of a house, basically, and then there's the church in Recuarte, which is the large one, the Pueblo Especial Church that we worshipped with on Sunday. Um, and their story is incredible. They started with about five families that were just seeking. They're, they're saying, you know, we've we have grown up in traditional church. Um, we feel that God is moving us in into a new understanding of His Spirit and of how to how to live our lives, and they tried to work within their church confines of their existing churches and found themselves basically being ostracized. And so they they found themselves from all over these different places and said, well, okay, if God's calling us to something new, is he calling us to something new together? And so these five families chose the location of Recuarte, where there really wasn't a church, an evangelical church, anywhere around that area, and said, okay, we're going to make this our chosen city, which is what Pueblo Especial means. And so their name is literally the Chosen City Church of Christ. They went and chose the city, and they, are, they have grown from five families into over 100 people now in about five years. And, and that is a special, special place. Some people that are doing some really amazing things. And, and uh, then the third church, Asogas, is, is a little church, but a church that is fighting a lot of cultural pressure. And they are right in the middle of the downtown. If you saw, they actually rent a storefront area and have turned it into their church. And, and that's where they work out of. And so they have businesses and people all around them. And so I loved watching these three different cultures of church, all very, very, very filled with God's spirit, all very, very much trying to be disciples. And I chose the reading this morning not based on what we did Not based on what we were doing. Not that we were taking up our cross. Although I think we were taking a risk. You know, we were being open to what God was doing. I chose that because of what I saw them doing. I saw them take up their cross in fact the verse before that that starts it's where Jesus has that whole you know if anybody doesn't love their father or their mother more than me they're not worthy of me if anybody doesn't love you know you know if they don't if they if they love these other people more than they love me then they're not worthy of me that is actually being played out in those churches especially in Asogus, um, that little church the pressure to be culturally catholic is so huge And it's a very transactional thing. I mean, it's very. It is based in probably more in superstition and in um, in in transactional like spirituality than anything else. You know, if I if I put the if I put the sign Jesus es mi pastor, you know, Jesus is my shepherd, on my car, then that means I can drive like a Yahoo and I'm not going to get in an accident because Jesus is mi pastor. And 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 you know this church is trying to call people to say, like, well, what does that actually mean that Jesus is the shepherd of your life? And the people that are leaving that, they are literally finding that, you know, that are leaving that transactional idea, that cultural idea, they're literally finding that their family is saying to them, you are not one of us anymore. You do not belong to us anymore. You do not belong to this community anymore. Um, I, I, I got a watch while I was there. D, okay. And it, it, you know what, And, and it's, it's a watch and it tells time and, and three of the four dials are painted on. I don't care. The reason that I got this watch is because I got this watch from a lady who's a single mom. She's a single mom of two. Her husband was abusing her and basically fled to... The United States to avoid persecution. They actually did the whole thing where the, these guys that they call coyotes, that actually like smuggle you out of the country, and you pay gobs of money and they smuggle you out illegally. No guarantees that you're not going to get caught, but you got to pay them anyway, right? He got smuggled out of the country and so he was just gone. So she had to move into her own financial support, but because she had moved out of the traditional religion of her family, and was trying to follow Christ when she was in need and her husband left her high and dry. her family said, "You're not one of us. A sogus church has has come in and helped her start a storefront business and and to survive and to grow and and you know you you look at a situation like that and you say well i I've got plenty to get a watch from you so that you can live and so that you can." Feed your family, and so that you can continue. So that we can ease that pressure just a little bit on what it costs you to follow Jesus. But I saw the cost so clearly of following Christ. Uh, Patrice, the the other thing was was just that they are redefining what church means, and that was challenging and beautiful for me. Um, Alan touched on it, but but Patrice, the uh, the man, and and the part that maybe you couldn't see. His wife had left him a long time ago. Um, They don't even know really where his wife is. She's not really in the picture. Family, if we think that we have issues with family and marriage here, Travis was telling me that 8 out of 10 marriages are ending in divorce right now in Ecuador. They, They put... They, they put this idea of extended family very high, this idea of having kids very high, but there is no supporting structure behind it. There's no, there's no loving each other as Christ loves the church underneath that, right? And so those things crumble. But I looked at Patrice's situation, living in basically the back wall is actually the wall of a store, and they basically just used pallets for floors, and corrugated metal to kind of like build a roof and then a basic framework to just kind of attach on to this existing s- store wall that was back there, this existing brick wall. And he's, and they said they've been living there as a family of five for quite a while. You know, the, the, the two girls sharing a bed, the, the two, you know, younger boys sharing a bed, and Patrice just kind of laying wherever he can in the middle of the house. The problem is, is over the last two years, Patrice has developed Parkinson's. And he's part of the Recorte Church. And watching them come around him, watching them move, move they basically are putting together an initiative to build him a new house. And, and it's not something that costs a lot by our standards, but it's something that is, is a significant challenge for them. But the church is saying, we believe in this, we're going to come around it. And that is really redefining church because, again, you go, you go ten minutes from his place, and you've got these massive, huge cathedrals that are, I don't know how much money, but they are, they are massive in scope and they are expensive in nature. And what it, what, it is, what it has created, a mindset of a church that hoards its resources and a community that struggles. And in the middle of that, you've got Turi and you've got Asogus and you've got Recuarte saying, okay, no, 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 the church exists to spend itself. For others, and that is that is a that has become a an amazing an amazing witness, um, and especially not even just in the big ways, but in the little ways um, one of the one of the best things that we did, and, and if I talk about one of the things that that 's really impacted me here from being there, was watching just the simple ability of them to take their resources and to go right out on the street with them. Okay, those are probably the, probably the, the two most powerful things that we did was that night where we went into the town square. And that's, not, that's the funny thing is both of these incidents are not one-off things that they were doing because the white people were there from America, from North America coming down. Okay, we're going to show you the best parts of our church. These were things that they had already planned on doing, that they've been doing. Once, I think it was either, it was once every couple of months or once a quarter, the Recorder Church, they just, they they pool their resources together. They make these huge, huge pots of, of, uh, of, like, soup that's vegetable and chicken and stuff like that. And they just go out into the town square and they serve anybody and everybody. Doesn't matter who you are. If you've got a home, great. If you don't got a home, great. If you just got out of the AA meeting, great. Doesn't matter who you are. We're going to meet you in the square. We're going to offer you... We're going to offer you three things. We're going to offer you food and drink. We're going to offer you an invitation to community. But then the big thing that we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we're just going to listen to you. I mean that was that was I mean if you look at most of those pictures, most of those pictures are of us like talking to people and listening to them and hearing their story and hearing where they're from. And for somebody to do that in that culture and say yes, no, I'm from a church and I'm genuinely interested in you, that is a very foreign concept. For the Asogus church to take this this festive drink and bread, and to just go to all their neighbors and just say, no, 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 it's free, it's free. This is the land where nothing is free. Everything is transactional. Your faith is transactional. Your relationships are transactional. I do for you, you do for me. And they're going, no, 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 we really mean it. We just want to show you that we care about you. You're a business owner on our street. We care about you. You're a mom and daughter that's, you know, like, trying to just make your way by selling bread off your back. We care about you. Here's some food. Here's some drink. Have a rest. How's your day? And I went, wow, how easy is it for us to do that too? We can do that. That's simple. We have resources and ability to do that. We have people all around us. That's easy. And sometimes you have to go go see somebody else doing it there before you can realize how easy it is to do it here. So we need to wrap up, but do we have a couple of minutes? No, not really? That's a bummer. We want, we want to, huh? Okay, yeah, so we want to be available for, for any of your questions um, afterwards. So come talk to us, because, I mean, this, again, even just this little time does not do that justice. So I hope that you will come ask questions. I hope that you will come, and, and obviously, this, we're hoping that this is not a one-off thing. Um, we're hoping that we get a chance to, to take more time and more folks um, to go see and to partner and to continue to increase the relationship between what God is doing there and what God is doing here. So, if you will spend some time in prayer with me as we close, Father, I thank you for, um, I thank you for these churches, Lord, that are that are across the world. Um, and yet are lifting up praises in your name this morning uh, that are coming together and and being your family and being your church together. I thank you that, that we're a part of that. I thank you that you are the God who is the God of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. I thank you that you have a mission for those people, that you have purpose, and that you have poured your Holy Spirit out on them, and that they are our brothers and sisters and that we are there, brother and sisters. Lord, thank you for, um, thank you for the things that you've shown us. Thank you for um, what I, I, pray, I just pray that you will continue to grow the relationship between those churches and, and, and us, Father, that we can continue to strengthen and encourage them and we can continue to be encouraged by the way that you are working in them. Father, as we come to your table today, here in just a moment, Father, help us to remember that we come as your church, connected, purpose driven, called to be your people, um, and father called to called to live out of that identity and and whether we are here in Canada, whether we are there in Ecuador, wherever we are out in the world, Father. I pray for your church, universal, Lord, that we will live out of the identity that you've given us and out of the spirit that empowers us. In your holy name, amen.